co-host of the rhythm section coburn blair coburn how are you good how about you happy to be here uh we're doing good uh i've just been you know banging amine tracks uh for the last 48 hours straight so i like it it's good uh i'm definitely ready to dive in on this i I, what i thought was a, a, a pretty interesting album i thought you know there was a lot that went into it a lot of uh, maturity as well let's start by really kind of framing amine in terms of his career as it stands you know right now like where is he in the greater scheme of hip-hop well i think that's a really good question because i think you have him like what kind of four years away from like his his introduction like 2016's caroline obviously like blue kind of like blew it out the water multi-platinum single um, he makes the cover of XXL freshman list. Um, he's joined on that cover by XX Tentacion, Cap G, Kamaya, PNB Rock, Made in Tokyo, Kyle, Ugly God, A Boogie, and Playboy Cardi. So I'd say maybe out of that, like he kind of is in the upper echelon of that kind of uh, company of peers there because uh, A, uh, A Boogie still obviously super relevant and kind of had had this career that's kind of like been on a consistent trajectory played by cardi obviously being with asap and uh, just recently had a kid with iggy azalea so he's kind of like in this rap kind of maybe high b list or the mid b list kind of thing and then kamaya kind of has her kind of legacy with yg and her kind of uh independent record kind of releasing and her uh kind of career in the bay but then i think anyone else on that list like Obviously, XSX Tentacion passed away, but um, everyone else is kind of like in different kind of realms and maybe not as relevant as Amine is, I would say, at least. Yeah, he's part of this, you know, talented group of, you know, they're like hip-hop's proletariat. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's harder work for smaller gains, but at the same time, it's kind of like lower peaks and higher valleys, if that makes sense. In terms of you know the the greater career highs, it, it's they're really kind of it, it's it's part of a group that's really trying to take that next step. And I mean, we're gonna talk about that moving forward. Uh, I think though, obviously, like he's been you know uh, if we're looking at the people you've mentioned, you know he's I, I think he's making more strides on his own. I also think that I he may, he's a little bit more conscious of moving towards legacy and moving towards making the next record. And I think he's talented. I think he's even across the board from a branding and marketing standpoint as well. You know, he gets it. I think that maybe because tell me if you agree with this, I think that humor, you know, it needs to be distributed in terms of sparingly. I I feel like with critical, uh, uh reception towards you know hip-hop artists i think he brings that natural humor but i don't know if that is ever to his detriment like what do you think on that i don't know because i think humor is an element that like kind of kind of has been missing i think in hip-hop for a little bit i do agree with that maybe in the mainstream and i think that like you know there's people who definitely inject humor into their works but i think you had like a long time you had people like Ludacris who like you know from his videos to his lyrics like you know there was humor kind of like Squeezing everywhere, and then you have someone like Kanye too, who's been in the mainstream. Who's like, no, you'll laugh at his lyrics. You'll get like a chuckle out of what he's kind of talking about, the subject matter, and the way he frames things. So I think that like Amine kind of comes from that same school and kind of like has that same ethos in his work. But like you know, he's not taking himself too seriously. But it, it is his subject matter can go into serious places. I think this album too, like I don't know if we're ready to touch on it yet, but like obviously having like the comedian Jack Knight kind of doing the interview interludes and um yeah being super present on this album kind of also lends lends into that humor that uh he's kind of creating so moving into this you know from you know good for you at 1.5 like coming into this record where do you think he is 
Well, like, I how think, was he set up? I think that's also another interesting t- thing because he took like what three years um, between like debuts and like one point five kind of in the middle there, but as as like a just a random project, and then this is like his sophomore work. So I think that's a hard thing to do in in the way that we consume music today. Like you, even the, like the other people on on the freshman list, it's like you have to put out so much music to even kind of like scratch the surface or to get mentioned these days. There's not a lot of room for artists to kind of like sit back and like kind of rework themselves and you know come up with new strategies or new sounds. It's a lot of like just go 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 go, and it kind of dilutes what music is and how music is enjoyed. I think. I agree. I think that there is pressure to, I mean, at the at, at the end of the day, now you have to keep. Yeah, I mean, you got to be at least putting out a record. Sorry, an album a year, and. If you're, I mean, if you're not, it's like, you know, I mean, because we kind of, that whole thirst for content has kind of, you know, filtered down into all the different arts. So now it's kind of about like, what are you putting out and how much are you putting out? And, um, you know what I mean? Is, and what's your, not level of engagement, but like amount of engagement. And I think that, you know, this album is kind of, and, you know, we'll move on to it. You know, we'll start moving on to it. I think this album is uh a big jump from his previous work uh i loved his i mean i loved uh good for you i think it's it's amazing like caroline as soon as i heard it i'm like this and the video too was just incredible it's just the whole thing the whole package it was just like the super energetic um very fresh uh you know take on the genre and uh i enjoyed it i think that i think that giving himself that time was was good because i mean like we're gonna I know that on a future podcast we're going to talk about Taylor Swift, but even she's now, you know, releasing an album like on a pace to release an album a year, and it's and and the fact that he was able to issue you know issue that that whole situation and take the time you know to put something together and also like evolve like like I guess evolve because he's like we were talking about you know people who are in their twenties and I can't even imagine trying to like have all that going on with the I'm developing my career. And the, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like a lot uh, to be putting together at the same time. What did you think of the album? I thought the album was, I thought it was pretty fantastic. Like, um, I think it's been a weird period for music. And I think that a lot of the things that we tie our music listening experience to have kind of, you know, evaporated or gone away, gone away in a big, in a big way that's really unprecedented, right? Like, there's not been a, you know, there's been like, obviously war times and stuff like that. And the albums have kind of, been released through that and maybe talked about that but this is like such a global kind of phenomenon that has changed the way that we interact with our day-to-day activities and our day-to-day lives like i don't know what like i can't really speak to like world war ii when people were rationing stuff i'm sure like you know there people would still go down to like a place and hear music at a jukebox whereas in this it's been like you know like the, your commute music is gone like you know like the bars that you might hang out in to listen to music are gone like so a lot of the ways that we tangibly interact with music have been taken away from us. So I think it's it's different listening to this album at home and, you know, maybe being outside in the backyard or whatever, wherever it is. But it's a little bit different to listen to the album under these, like, kind of constraints. It's a pretty... He gets into some heady stuff, but it's a pretty laid-back vibe that he puts together in this. And I feel like the vibe isn't laid back in society right now. So it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy looking at through, uh, that lens. I will say this from the first bars, um, of burden, you know, my head was started to bob and I really kind of liked how, you know, it embraces a, uh, you know, a very laid back old school vibe at times. And from like an overall aesthetic, I, you know, I think it's it's a lot more laid back than his previous works. It's reflective. It's reflective, I, I think, is the big thing. Like, his first, you know, his first, you know, album and, you know, 1.5, like, they're not, they're not these headspace albums with full of contemplation. It's more music from a young individual who is learning how to navigate being young in the industry, and there is an excitement, and there is a there is a wonder with it and there is a bravado with it. And I still think some of those elements are here, but a lot of it is contemplating, you know, where he is. And it's interesting that it's called limbo because that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like a transitionary 
album where he's was making music before that was a certain uh had a certain lyrical content but now it's about you know contemplating things like mortality and growing up and you know i mean we'll get into the tracks but you know through um why can't i remember the track that's a talk where he talks about kobe bryant um kobe well there's the kobe's the spoken one it's the one before yeah woodlawn that's it so i mean on that i mean you hear this like open contemplation about you know growing up and how the death of a mentor or a you know a hero kind of affected that and it kind of marked oh yeah i'm getting old this kind of shit happens now so i mean i thought that was really really interesting especially given his previous stuff and watching his interviews about this is really interesting too because he's very much in a like shrug your shoulders like i'm trying to build something and i'm taking new steps kind of mode which i appreciated and I think it kind of informs the whole the whole album moving forward. Yeah, I think so too. And I think I think what I really appreciate about Amine is that, like, obviously hip hop has kind of moved to or been in for a while now, like a super melody driven kind of space. And I find that Amine kind of inhabits that space without forcing anything, and it's with a great deal of ease that he navigates in it. So there's like, you know, like it's natural bars, it's natural sing-songiness and it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel like he's doing it to kind of chase chase a hit at least not as much on this uh project i think maybe on 1.5 i found some kind of stuff being like okay you're just kind of like tackling what's kind of hot right now where it doesn't feel as some stuff doesn't really the authenticity doesn't like um feel all the way through i think this is kind of why it's like a you know, well, the 1.5 explains it. I mean, it's kind of like a mixtape. It wasn't, you know what I mean? It's definitely not passed off as a whole album. And I think that might be, I'm wondering if it was carryover from sessions, previous sessions, etc. But uh, yeah, I found that it's like he was trying to reproduce the success that Caroline had, right? Yeah. And like, you know what I mean? That kind of really came out there. It was infectious, it was energetic, it was youthful, and I think that there's an attempt to do that. Whereas I, I mean, I like uh, 1.5, but I think of it more as just a collection of songs and not an album that is comprehensive and like one encompassing thing tackling ideas. Whereas this one, I think it is absolutely that. And, you know, it's not a matter of if it's a good album, it's a matter of where is this in his ambition to make a great album. I think that's kind of interesting. I have like kind of two points there where it's like the first one is I wonder how like much uh, the label had to say um, in 1.5 and how much that's like kind of like him fulfilling his like duties to his like deal and like, you know, putting out body of work like, you know, to get out to like work towards the end of his deal and to kind of like, you know, like go against the buzz of what he had already done. And then also, you know, what defines a mixtape these days and like, when an artist releases a project that doesn't really hit the heights that they want it to hit or, you know, they put it out, but it doesn't really feel to them like an album. Like, how does that, like, you know, how does the title mixtape still apply and where does it go? Can I apply a hip-hop conspiracy theory? Oh, yes. Are, are mixtapes just the way of dumping old sessions into a non... It's It's almost like, hey, here's some stuff I put together... Uh, I don't want it to be reviewed like it's an, a comprehensive album, but I kind of want to get this stuff out. And, and I think that's absolutely it too, right? I think it's like, if it kind of falls short of, you know, what the expectations are for a review, or maybe there's too many features on it or whatever, then like, they get to kind of throw the term mixtape over it. And because mixtape has a place in hip hop, like memory, it, it gets to like, you know, inhabit that, but like... It's so calling everything a mixtape now. Like, okay, yeah, so like, it so goes on streaming platforms the same as an album. Like, I click it; it yeah. has songs. Like, what's you know what's the difference? When I hear mixtape, I hear like the Frank Ocean mixtape, where there's it can't be on one of these streaming services because of the samples. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, there's a full on, uh, there's a full on cult. Like, I think it's uh, Strawberry Swing is a Coldplay song that Frank Ocean like it literally just raps. Like, yeah, he has like the Eagles over. on it and. Yeah, so it's all—it's like you can't call that. But I mean, then you have something like if you're reading this by Drake, which I really like. Yeah. But that's an album. Like, why are we calling that a mixtape? It's all, you know what I mean? And yeah, I think to me that like that's yeah. like the same as like more life. You know, he he calls more life a playlist. He like 
what what makes it a playlist? It's it's an album. Like, do you want it not to get reviewed like a album because there's different genres kind of on there, and you don't know how it's gonna like fit? But like, for all intents and purposes, it's an album. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, hey man, this album's whack. It's like, nah man, it's a mixtape and you don't get it. Yeah, like you can't call it whack. That's it's what I'm gonna say about this podcast it. if people don't like it. It's, <laughs> yeah. fucking, it's a fucking mixtape. <laughs> me and Coburn, me and Coburn just playing. Yeah. Let's, well, you know what? Let's look at the tracks. So, what were some of the? I mean, we'll get to the videos, but like, what were the standout tracks for you? What were the ones that hit the hit the nail, if you will? I think definitely Woodlawn, um, Pressure in My Palms, like really like stood out to me shimmy which i get why it's a single and i think probably i might have to go with riri i like riri that was one of the videos as yeah well. i feel like about... i just picked all the singles but like i don't know i feel if, like listen if they're good listen if they're good they're good you know what i mean because i yeah. think sometimes people want to hear the album tracks getting the juicy stuff but at the end of the day if they're good tracks like for example compensating i think the young Th- with with young thug i think that's a that's a sick track that's fine. It's a video. It's also kind of a sick video. The whole tennis thing, which we'll get into. Um, I want to talk about Woodlawn, though, because this is kind of really the song that brings me, I mean, burden, you know, thematically, but that makes me think that this guy is contemplating a lot more in his life. As in, you know, it's this whole Kobe Bryant dies and this person that you have always known about your whole life, which he talks about in the spoken uh, track, Kobe, you know, it's, you see people, you know, something happens and you start to realize you're an adult. I don't think maybe his early forays into the hip hop world made him feel like an adult. It's more like kid in a candy store. Despite the fact, I mean, he's a hard, obviously hardworking, but I, I feel like Woodlawn is kind of a thesis statement for the whole album in terms of how a person is interacting. I mean, like he's talking about uh, when it goes into the follow-up Kobe, he's talking about, you know, getting a house, you know, having kids, having like contemplating all these things that life is about. And I think when we think of people who are working in the creative industry or, or you know, rappers, we don't think of the like mundane evolution they make as people i think sometimes but i mean he really kind of brings the center stage with this track yeah and i think i think too like i'm assuming like woodlawn's like kind of the neighborhood that he's from and in uh, portland and i felt like on this album even like where he touches on it in his previous works like this was kind of like a little bit of a love letter to portland and i definitely noticed that in like the shimmy video and like you know he's kind of like instilling that and i think that's something that's easier to, to do like after you kind of have made it a bit more and you can kind of go back to the city that you're from instead of like having to do your videos in LA or trying to prove something like you can kind of be like hey this is like you know this is what I'm representing like now I can kind of do it on, on a grander scale and that's kind of what I took out of you know different pieces on this album as well yeah I think that if you can't be you know bang in Portland if uh, you're just getting out there I don't know for some reason people you know it's all, I mean, it's all about bravado, you know what I mean? Are we shooting in LA? All these kind of things. I think that's kind of an excellent point. I, like, what did you think of some of the features? For example, one I really enjoyed uh, was Roots uh, with Jid and Charlie, Charlie Wilson? Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to, I like Charlie Wilson because, like, that was one of the earlier songs that I saw from Good For You. Because, yeah, the Charlie, Charlie Wilson feature on there, and they filmed it in this, like, I think, grocery store in, in LA. And so I think kind of circling back around, but I think there's also something special in kind of using someone like Charlie Wilson, who's like worked with Kanye extensively and like, you know, friends with and worked with Snoop Dogg. He kind of sets the stage for, for Mine to be kind of in that realm of hip hop too. And I think that's an interesting way of doing it. Like instead of like, you're not recreating like necessarily the sounds that they worked on before, but you're kind of saying, Hey, like this is like, put this with that body of work. Cause like, that's what I'm striving for. And that's, you know, that's where I'm at too. Yeah, I think there's definitely an attempt to bring on the, you know, bring those people in. And, and, and like, if, cause if you want to take the next step, I mean, someone like Kanye West was super aggressive with that. Yeah. With like, who are we bringing into this project? Who are we, uh, who are we getting on it to take it to the next level? Like, if you want to, it's like a, an NBA team, if you want to be, at that next level, then you have to get guys who have been there and understand it and who can bring that level of quality in. Because, I mean, the trying to trying to get there is the hardest part, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
I thought that Young Thug was also like Young Thug on, you know, on compensating. Um, you know, what I mean, pressure my palms. You'd mentioned before. If you like Vince Staples, then it's going to be good. I'm a huge Vince Staples fan. I, I also like the story. Sorry to go back to around compensating, which is that like I mean, it came to Toronto basically to to work on his album with T minus. Oh yeah, with and Boy, uh, and it was Boy Wonder produced on that, or was that on the what one was Boy Wonder? Boy Wonder's on Shimmy, so Boy Wonder did on the Shimmy, beat for Shimmy. That's the one. That's the one Boy Wonder's on because they actually recorded. So he recorded that this one, that one in Toronto, compensating as well. Because yeah, because I because I I remember meeting um, Alex Tume, which is like Thug's um, one of Thug's recording engineers. Like he's pretty like you know a well spoken, outspoken uh, recording engineer. But I guess they were in Toronto for a while. They were working on some stuff with Drake. So I wonder if that came out of um, those sessions, or if it was like another time that T minus and uh, Young Thug had worked together. But basically, um, Thug had the his verse done on that beat, and Amine heard it and kind of was like, "Hey, this kind of fits with what I'm doing." And then the like Thug had previously praised him in the past, so they kind of like just ended up working out and working together on it, which I thought was like a really cool story because that you know happens all the time that rappers get on the same beats, but it doesn't always happen that they can kind of like bring the whole thing together like that. Also, one thing, one kind of feature on this that was looking at was the uh, injury reserve uh feature which is i believe it was grog who recently passed away from injury reserve um oh yeah he died oh yeah he died at the end of june yeah he and died just a couple some, months ago yeah which is crazy and uh you know a posthumous release uh, what's your thoughts do you do you listen to do you partake in the injury reserve i haven't quite gotten into injury reserve like i know about them i've kind of like you know, they've been on my like sphere but i haven't really kind of kind of been like a little bit nervous to kind of dive in so i haven't really gotten it like to dive into their catalog and stuff like what's what's the whole like what are they about as i mean they don't have quite the organic instrument like i mean like on amine's stuff you'll hear those deep electric you know bass you know and and kick rhythms but you'll also get the you know the more acoustic sounding that sounding like you know like a ludwig kit or something like that they have these elements of these elements of fucking trap and drill but also like really cool atmospherics and I really kind of and unfortunately I only got into them after I only really got into them after um after Grog passed away you know everything I've listened to I really love I feel like I was totally late to the Avival not to, I don't feel like I was totally late I was totally late to the party as I feel I was with JPEG Mafia although JPEG Mafia thankfully is still alive but it's just some things I just picked up and started listening to and I was like, it's fantastic. I would absolutely recommend anyone to listen to it. Uh, I, it's just, their music has elements. I mean, like, there is elements, again, of, you know, of uh, trap, drill, but also, you know, of the more, like, intellectual, quote-unquote, hip-hop of, like, Tribe Called Quest. And that's clearly this spirit animal influence to them. I would, like, I would absolutely, you know, recommend uh, checking them out. Uh, I think they're from the music hotbed of Arizona, which is intense. Um, yes, they're from Tempe, Arizona. Wow. Oh, really? Um, well, I didn't know that music. I didn't know that music came from there. Uh, this has got like, I, I, I think who he brought on for this was really good. I think that it's this eclectic mix of young, talented individuals who you know again represent that hip-hop proletariat and and i think they lift this record and there's almost like this like level of commonality you feel with them yeah i for me like my kind of standout when i saw like the track list on the album was slow tie because i've been like kind of following his career for the last like year and a bit and like i really loved his uh, nothing great about britain campaign mm -hmm. um and he's kind of like punk kind of like grime just like kind of eclectic fusion of these british styles so i thought like Having him like like I remember he popped up on the the Gorillas single I think last year yeah um, and then kind of like so it was kind of cool to pull people like that into like the American sound uh, which I don't think always happens all the time I don't think there's a lot of like crossover usually with, with British kind of rap and American rap so I thought like it just really fit I think on pressure on Emma Palm they seem super opposed to each other I th I feel like American rappers don't think. English rappers are hard for some reason. Yeah, like, like there is a less, uh, less of a struggle, if you will. Yeah, I think it kind of gets down to that. I think there's kind of like the whole key and crumpets kind of like idea that <laughs> that um, Americans have about <laughs> England or whatever it is. Yeah. So like I think when like I'm also coming as a fan of like English music for a long time that like 
you know, seeing when Skepta has his, like, little success or, like, even, like, kind of what Drake's done with bringing kind of, like, Hedy One and all these kind of guys in. And then also, like, looking at, like, the kind of Brooklyn Drill movement, which is, like, mainly um, UK producers with American acts. So I think there's, like, kind of cool, kind of direction channeling going on right now. So I think it's a kind of a cool time for that. So I thought that this was, like, a really cool feature for me to see, like, hey, this is, like, Slow Tie, Vince Staples, and, and Amine. Like, that's a real cool look. I want to just look at Roots again. I felt, you know, it's funny, you know, we, we were talking about Charlie Wills. You know, Roots has this, like, it's, it's for me, it's super, uh, you know, Kanye West-ish. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got that, like, it's really shimmering. You know, there's, like, these star-like trickles of Rhodes piano. It's super soulful. And it's, I know, honestly, like, tracks one through eight of this, I think, like, after one, you know, after the, you know, the eighth track... It starts to taper off a little bit. I mean, I still think there's some good stuff. I enjoyed it. But, like, the first eight songs on this, I'm, like, listening to without a skip. And I, I, I really, like, I, I just, it just really, you know, struck me as a well-composed, tight album and just until that point. Yeah, I think I would definitely agree with that. Like, it was kind of well put together. And, uh, and then I think there's some kind of, like, a meld that kind of happens at the end where it's, like, kind of don't know really what song you're listening to and it just kind of like starts to kind of flow together and you're like uh, okay like i don't know if maybe like cutting the album down by a few songs might have helped yeah i'm trying to think if it's just my um you know, like filmmaker editor brain that is always just like i need to reduce the length of everything but i mean at the end of the day whether it's an album a movie a fucking menu if it's too long, it dilutes the quality. I think that, but I mean, again, we were talking about it early, you know, earlier, like it's a, it's a, you know, it's content thing. Everything is content, content, content. But I mean, like it's, it, you know what it is? I just think that there's these like extra pop elements that are added in the back half of the album that I don't think match the groove of the first, you know, the, the first majority of it. They don't like carry that same soulfulness i don't think they're i mean with the exception of the final track which i really 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 enjoy uh my reality i believe it's called yeah like because that you're really kind of feeling that's another song where you're really feeling you know what his perceptions are of being young and in the industry and being young and trying to make your mark and things not being what you thought they were going to be and that kind of being uh you know a continual idea that goes on through you know that goes on through life I think it's I think it's cool because he has like Daniel Caesar two features on there, so like a more kind of like Toronto area kind of talent um, kind of flowing through this, which yeah. I'm always happy to see. One hundred percent. I'm all for as much to as humanly possible getting out there, especially the quality stuff. But I mean, I want to kind of move into the, the the you know the video thing because I feel like that's so important with his packaging. And, uh, you know, with this thing, because like he, he, I mean, he, at the very least co-directs all of his videos and, um, I mean, I really, really, really enjoy them. I like how they kind of, they, they, they bring that, you know, humor into it. They, they, they kind of, sh and there's these, there's something very charmingly film schooly about them, even though, you know, they're super well done. This idea of you're with your friends and there's these speaking parts and you know like uh, it's it's just very enjoyable i find that it kind of really adds to the album like the video for compensating like i i really really enjoyed that so, so i had a question about like the videos and like i don't i don't know really what the timeline is on this do you think there was kind of some covid overlap in the videos like i, I noticed like obviously young thug was like notably absent from the compensating video um and the re-re video i think with the scenes with like all the different girls kind of like filming like what seems to be like at home or alone whatever if, if there was some like you know like social distancing or whatever it is like that affected like maybe what he had in mind originally for the videos yeah because i think it's because the tennis thing is interesting because it's like you film it it's like automatically social honestly to be very honest okay so where where's young thug coming out of uh like atlanta yeah i'm wondering if i'm just trying to think of like the geographic uh, the geography in accordance with the situation uh, you know, the COVID situation. I think that there's a lot of like things like this who came up, uh, things like this that came up with, with people recording albums and, uh, you know, in videos and stuff, because it's like this catch 22 where it's the perfect time 
to like put together a record. Now I will say this, um, he was very adamant in his interviews that although this was like finalized and like the packaging and everything was put together during COVID, he, the whole the, like this is stuff from two years ago. The yeah. stuff that he the stuff that he had written previously. So I think so. I think that because again, like this catch twenty two with you have all this time, but you can't get people together. And if people are coming from the south, Young Thug is still re- you know working out of there. Then you know that can be it because flying helicopters out of there now. Well, that's exactly what it is. you're flying. <laughs> fucking this guy's just doing all these guys all all, all on that shit now. It's on the helicopter tip. Once you're on it, you're not off it. Yeah. Um. Uh, and I, so I think, I think the short answer that I'm meandering through is yes. I, I think that it feels like these parts were all done separately and maybe even in different spaces. And I mean, you got to make the best, you got to make the best of it. But to be very honest with you, I think hip hop still kind of lends itself to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, especially with artists that are solo, like you can get away with having minimal other people and how you're figuring out. I mean, they have that dialogue scene at the beginning of it, which I think is hilarious. That's the kind of thing I love about um his videos but yeah it's i mean it's challenging time uh to try to get you know try to get these things done because anytime you're trying to do these videos or albums it's like you're emailing it back and forth and just takes away from like the the process you know what i mean what what would you say the process was your favorite video of the three if you had to compare them relatively to each other i think compensating i do like shimmy but i'm wondering if i'm biased because there's just the boy wonder thing but then compensating you know was and then also like the obvious throw to odb ODB, Um, so i feel like it stoked my nostalgia if you will but i'm gonna say compensating i really liked it it was fun the parts of reason the pool are hilarious i I mean i love his videos i i like that there's a little bit more of a lo-fi look to them and they're not as you know glitzy I, i i i i enjoy them yeah i i think i might have to go with shimmy i think again because the odb and I liked kind of like the city shots and like like the the scene with them all riding uh, bikes down the street with the, all the Nike hoodies on. I thought there was like a lot of like okay, cool, that's a fucking six. That's sick. Cool really shots and like yeah. cool elements to it too. What what did you think of having Young Thug absent? Did you notice it in in uh, compensating? No, I no? didn't notice it at all. I wasn't that wasn't where my head was at with it because I think that it's because it's funny and you're kind of engaged with the dialogue right off the bat. Um, you're kind of observing the funny things that are happening in the scene. And I mean, like one thing I like about him, he just does these things where, you know, there's ridiculous shit happening in the background and it's just him deadpan looking into the camera, you know, doing the lyrics. And it's just very engaging and very funny and very deadpan. And I, I like, I'm not, I'm not missing things. I feel like, you know, like that in his videos, I'm more like kind of seeing what's going on, see little Easter eggs, if you will. Yeah, I think, like, he's been someone who's always kind of maintained a certain quality of videos, and I think, like, a lot of artists are kind of doing that now to stand out because of, like, the way that, like, everything's so visually driven, and that's, like, you know, that's majority of views are coming from YouTube, but, like, I think there's also, like, a lot of artists who are making, like, these throwaway videos, which, you know, kind of fulfill um, the idea of having a video, but, like, you know, they're not stuff that you go back to and watch time after time again, and, like, with his videos, I, I can still, like, you know, I can watch the videos off of Good For You like a couple years later and they still like hold up and they still like, you know, tell like a fun story. And I think, I know I'm someone who's always like appreciated the music video as an art form. Mm. So I really enjoy like anything that kind of does more to kind of propel the art form forward. It's interesting because film, like uh, the the music video is how a lot of us, uh, you know, some of the filmmakers in the mind refinery really got into the industry. Uh, just because you get to, I remember one video I did, we drove a dirt bike through an abandoned dollar store and it's like, you get to do all these fun things. You get to stretch it. And I think that he, that's why I kind of said that film school thing is because he kind of, these uh, wacky ideas he comes with kind of embodies people just, you know, experimenting and throwing out ideas. And I think that he embodies what is best about you know, the more digitized shooting scenario, I think that there's two ways of looking at it. You can either just throw it away because of how easy it is to make videos and not take it seriously, or you could realize what is real and that because people can make videos very well, you still have, you even more have to make better videos now, even if you have a low budget. 
Because if you're fucking making videos with a low budget, there's someone out there who can make, who has nothing, who can make a better video than you. You know what I mean? Like there is, there is the talent to, and the ability and the availability of equipment and deployment methods to at the very least create something that if you are, you know, super creative, you can make it, you can turn it into something. It becomes something that people aren't even paying attention to what the budget's for. Like I would say that Amine's videos probably don't carry a large budget compared to other hip hop videos. But the fact that he takes it seriously is smart. And the fact that it's very much a big part of his personal branding is, you know, deft and savvy on his part. Because people who aren't doing that, people who are just thinking that they can put out whatever, like those artists aren't going to become, like, you know what I mean? They're not, they're not going to do, they're not going to do what he's trying to do. So like, we don't live in a much music or MTV ecosystem anymore, but be, but there is reasons because of that, that you absolutely have to be almost even more on the ball with your video making, no matter what budget you're working with. Yeah. I think like even like trading off the kind of MTV much music for like this, you know, TikTok virality for like Instagram clips for, you know, all these other places that music videos kind of live. And it's just so much more like a broad kind of, uh, you know, because if you put the right clip of the video or whatever, it'll probably live on on, you know, a Twitter comment or, or so many different places compared to, you know, getting home at 4 p.m. to try and catch your favorite music videos. It's like you just have them on demand now. So oh, yeah, that shit that shit's like herpes. It's not going away now. Yeah, if it's, it's just like, if it's terrible, like that's it. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's the thing. And I guess you know, obviously, you're you're gonna have you still have these ridiculously expensive music videos that come out. But I think that the overall quality kind of has to be there because if you're putting out, you can't put out a whack video and then expect people. Because if you're an artist coming up, like the videos are the number one like selling tool yeah you know especially for new artists like for new artists like yeah you put your stuff on spotify or sound you know soundcloud or whatever but they're your big thing that people are going to pay attention to especially if you're like a younger person breaking into the industry 18 19 17 like you see these younger artists coming out your video your video is what is people are going to look at the other thing too is like the kind of like how drones have like changed it like because all these shots that you would have needed like a helicopter or like some kind of crazy expensive rig to do you can do for relatively cheap with a drone operator oh yeah like these this this shit you would have needed fucking james cameron for before like now you can just oh we need an overhead of the street well i think we can even i think we can just you know gorilla get this up in the air without any permits and do it uh kids i don't recommend doing that because you get shut down but whatever people do it um just don't get caught just don't get fucking caught and i mean i'm on that list of people who's avoided getting caught so i'm gonna talk shit about it um (laughs) so like yeah i mean like that's what i'm saying like obviously there's still gatekeepers and all that on the release and uh exposure end but uh, he embraces this idea that you can just kind of go out with your friends and shoot and I guess with him is just he's got money for locations. The yeah. cameras aren't expensive anymore. Like realistically, they could have shot that video on a number of like pro suit, like higher end prosumer cameras, just with decent lensing, right? Like they're not. It, the key is, is do you have the post production and all that kind of stuff? But what I want to move on to is um, a little bit more about the themes. Like 1.5 and good for you, you know, are reflective of a more carefree person breaking into the industry. Whereas like thematically limbo is a complete departure from this. What are some of the biggest changes from the earlier stuff to limbo? Like, how do you feel he's matured? I think you touched on it earlier. And I think that in any interview I've read on this album, uh, it's basically just him kind of realizing like, you know, he's taking station of his life. He's like, I'm 26. I'm kind of where I want to be at but again it's not it doesn't all kind of come together at, at age 26 or any age at least in your 20s or whatever maybe never it comes together but so he's kind of taking stock of his life and and this album is kind of reflective of, of that and he's kind of like taking time to look back and and reflect on things a little bit and also kind of you know reflect on the changes like how like like earlier like how Kobe's death impacted them how like these little things like maybe talking about having kids, I guess, on the fetus track and like these things that are like these milestone markers in, in your life. Um, and, you know, they could be milestone markers in his life and reflecting on past relationships. And I think it's easier to do, too, once you are in your like mid to late 20s, because I think you have 
a little bit of, of that behind you and you have a little bit more you can see clearly what's ahead of you he's definitely exhibiting that what the fuck just happened vibe that you get towards the end of your 20s where okay i had my early 20s that was a blur and now especially you know in the context of the hip-hop industry having money what is that like um trying to develop your ability like one thing i liked just from seeing his interviews is this idea of him wanting to pursue pursue greatness and him not feeling like he's got there yet that's kind of and this is kind of a thing that i wanted to frame and i hope this question makes sense in that i feel like i judge this record higher on the curve because he speaks of it almost like this is just what it is in limbo and tra transitionary because he's like i'm trying to do something great this is part of it but this isn't it like it almost makes me respect it more because this is a guy who's completely cognizant of what he's putting out into the world and you know doing his reps and just wanting to push to be better like what do you think about that yeah like i think i think it's he he's positioning himself in a way where it's authentic to where he's at and to where he's going and i think that's what makes this album kind of stand out a little bit it's it's just kind of i don't know if this makes sense but it's kind of just almost what it is you know it's like this is where i've come from this is like like the kind of carefreeness like there's still some carefreeness on there but like i'm starting to kind of like look at things a little bit differently now, but I don't want to lose who I was in, into going who I, to who I am. Like, how do, you, how do you make a record in a genre that is, like, super lyrical, you know, with this level of confusion? I, like, well, that's, I enjoy that he wears his heart on his sleeve in that respect. Yeah. Because also I feel, if you're younger, when you're young and you start contemplating adulthood, you start, you know, there's this things are going to be different when I'm an adult, like mentality, you know, like things change and you're more in control and you're more aware of what's going on. And what I like, another thing I like about this is that as this album unfolds and it's like line after line after line, it like paints the confusion of getting older and that you don't become more uh, like in ways you become more in, you know, in charge and like, mentally with it but in other ways it just is more confusion and you're wondering how responsibilities get added onto your life in contrast to not wanting to lose the idealism of your youth and this like youthful exuberance i know like for me that was like one of the biggest fears i had it's not like dying it's am i going to be like not as energetic or enthusiastic like other adults i see and i feel like there that's dripping all over this with all these life changes he's contemplating it's like and you hit it it's am i gonna lose am i gonna go am i gonna lose what i was trying to be what i'm trying to be you know what yeah. i mean in order to do that level of greatness and live a life you know with more <clears throat> do i have to lose you know the the youthful exuberance that you fueled me and like how can i reconcile those two ideas yeah and i think that's that's yeah that's like that's it that hits the nail on the head like that's kind of, I think, what the ethos of this album is. Ba balance, balancing all those kind of ideas and putting them together and kind of making that his mission statement, I think, going forward. Before we get to our, you know, our rating of this, do you, like, one of the things he's, you know, he said, and we've been talking about it, is I want to make something great. <clears throat> I want to take it to another level. Do you think given where he was at the beginning to where this album is now, he is closer to doing that. I think he's definitely closer. I still, for me, I think this album is like fantastic. I think it's really good. I still think that he kind of has more to do and more to explore and kind of to hit that, the real peak. Um, but I think he's do definitely like on the, on the way there and like taking the right steps. And I think that like, as he matures, he's going to kind of build something you know, even better than, than this. He's going to build on this to make something better. Now I'm going to ask you another question. Do you think the great records in him, does he have the, you know, does he have the miseducation of Lauren Hill? Does he have the liquid swords? Does he have that kind of thing in him? Does he have the, 
you know, the blueprint? Does he have, could you think, do you see him reaching the highs he, he wants to reach? I think that's a really good question. I think like going back to our previous podcasts, like the rhythm section doing Kanye West, I think, I don't know if like, I don't want to obviously compare anyone to Kanye West or whatever in that regard, but I think maybe we're kind of looking at a similar trajectory to that where it's like, this is, you know, the late registration or, you know, something around that time period before you kind of go to the, the album that's like your graduation or whatever that album is that's like your kind of announcement on the scene. So I don't think he's kind of is there yet, but he has all the kind of back catalog and, and the work done to hit those strides. I'm just wondering if he has the overall creative vision that guides those kind of albums. That's that's the only question mark I have for him in terms of like the the lyrical talent and the the self the self understanding and that kind of thing i think he has that it's just it's one of those things where i mean bob dylan says it about hey ma uh his song hey ma it's all right i'm only bleeding um he's just like ed bradley asked him he's like do you think you could write that again and he's like no it's it's like lightning in a bottle and trying to do those things like some people are just into the matrix they know they they know how to work the system i think he's got the chops and he's got the visual stuff it's can he bring it all together can he keep making a better record every time you know I, and i think some of that too is on life experience right like he's still relatively young he's still kind of like in a bit of a bubble maybe so i think kind of coming off life ex- more life experience can maybe pour into that I think he might be that kind of, listen, there's a whole other, there's, I, I feel like there's multiple ways of coming at this yeah. where you have someone like Kanye West who isn't hedging his bets on his life experience. He's doing it on, he's doing it on, like, you know what I mean? Like there was this whole thing, you know, and we had talked about it with, he didn't have the same, you know, hard knocks life growing up. And that kind of thing, which, I mean, it was tough for him, but it wasn't like he wasn't slinging rocks on the street, Yeah, you know? And I think that, you know, he was, he's more of this like creative director type who uses what he has and has a massive musical ability, but knows how to bring the lyrics, the packaging, the music, uh, the personnel all together. Uh, So he's like this creative director for what he does. But then you have people who are writing these autobiographical albums about the things they're going through. Yeah. Um, and they really lean on it and it's not so much metaphor, but more about exactly what they're going through. I think he's that, I think he just has to arrive at the right moment of expression for that. And I think that comes down to what you're saying about the maturity and that kind of thing. Like only the way he writes only life experience can really improve the, the, the packaging and the product. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's like exactly it too, but I also think like, right. He's only 26. Like, you know, Kanye kind of made his great album at his first album at 26, Jay's first album, 26 Eminem. I think maybe my favorite album of him is 28, but like you have these kind of rappers who kind of, get on a bit later and then have a bit more to say and with maturity. And I think it's interesting having a mean maybe go viral at like 22, 23, kind of have this kind of break in between from then till now getting a bit of experience. But I think also maybe this year will change him. I don't think this album kind of touches on what's happening in Portland right now, but I'm sure he, he'll have some stuff to kind of say around that. I'm sure there's like, you know, kind of more to him and more to his story that will kind of be unlocked. And if we're getting kind of closer to the to the reviewing piece, I want to say how much I thought um, the Mama song was terrible on this album. Okay, I agree. Listen, I don't want to tell, as a person who loves his mother, I don't want to be telling anybody not to do shit about their mother, because mothers are important, but this song is whack. I'm just flat out just saying it like that. Yeah. And I, and I liked, and I really liked this album, but that I, song like, is whack. I, it, that feels to me like a I don't, not that the label made him do it, but it feels like a very like a relic from hip hop of the past, where it's like okay, you do your sophomore album, time to thank your mom for like how you got there. You know, like Jay Z obviously has one or two, maybe like three or four now, but like he has obviously his big mama song. You have Kanye with Hey Mama. You have Drake doing that on um, Look What You've Done on on his second album. It just seems very like kind of shoehorned in and not like original or or like super expressive 
I think if you're listening right now and you're a rapper and you just need to really, really avoid playing fast and loose with the mama songs if we're going to review your album on this podcast because you're going to get intense scrutiny uh, about these mama songs and that they better be fucking good, be saying something else. I want to do, uh, like, I want someone other than Eminem to be like, uh, my mama didn't do shit for me. Yeah, um, I hate like, my Let's hear, I want to hear, hey mama, you did nothing. That's what... I want to hear hey dad that's what i want to hear <laughs> right and this guy's got so that's you know what that's what i need from amine i need a hey dad this guy has got a tight relationship with both his parents that's it yeah let's hear fucking hey maybe, dad yeah maybe maybe bring that around for, for the the third album fucking all papa gets chris rock said it papa was a rolling stone yeah um so to wrap this up what are we giving this i think how many on, on the patent cog mind refinery cog rating I'm going to give it a 7.5, 7.5 cogs. Yeah, I had it at 7 uh, myself. I think seven. I think 7.5 is, uh, is fair. I think it represents a... It represents maturity. It represents growth. It rep- represents a deft hand at, you know, crafting an album. But an extra points for being self-aware of where he wants to go, but I still think, you know, you're, there's something missing, but did I, do I enjoy this? Yes. First eight tracks for me, uh, are, they're just one after the other. Fantastic. Yeah. And I wanted to, cause I, I felt the same thing, but then looking at the runtime, it's a, it's a 44 minute album. So how do you, do you shave it down? Does it become an EP at that point? If you're trying to like trim the fat, cause 44 minutes is like in this, the day of like Spotify or whatever. It's like, Everyone's trying to maximize the length so they get more play counts or whatever. So I think it's something refreshing in it only being like 16 songs and some of those are skits. But still, I think there's, there's more that could have kind of come off this album. And on that note, Coburn, thank you so much. Thank you. It was nice chatting. Nice chatting to you too. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah.